Welcome back to Breaking the Ice. Again, thank you so much for watching and listening and subscribing and notification buttons and the other things that YouTube and podcasters say that I always forget to say every episode. But thank you again. Today on Breaking the Ice, we have the hilarious Jimmy Dunn, a comedian from Boston. You know him from the sitcom The McCarthy's. He's also a writer in one of our favorite shows, Louder Milk. And he is a New Hampshire resident in the famous Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. We talk about that. Um, we talk about comedy, uh, writing for Louder Milk, and a whole bunch of other stuff and biplanes and we cover a lot we cover everything so ladies and gentlemen jimmy dunn if it was illegal to say stupid things into a microphone why must you be so stupid these guys would be doing life without parole hey everybody we're back from prison why do we keep encouraging this kind of behavior it's the Breaking the Ice podcast with Josh Dolan. You know, we could, like, go to jail for this. Along with Mike Shu and Isaiah Moscahanna Bonsa Mana Blitz Boskowitz. Whatever the hell his name is. What's up, Shu? What's going on, you guys? Oh, what's up, man? Living. I am uh, trying to change my background, but it won't let me. Slot. I try to do that too, but the cops, they know everything about you. Oh, that's why I want to put that break of the ice thing on the back and it won't let me do it anymore. So fuck them. You don't want the cops to know that. Is this going to be on? Fuck Zoom. Actually, funny thing about a cop in this podcast. Uh oh. <laughs> what did you do? I didn't do anything. It's what someone else did. I was telling you yeah. about that, uh, how we almost died. Uh, yeah. I might not get this whole story out. But it was actually, uh, I had, it was the day I went to Worcester to see Shu because he lost a bet and he was molesting a turtle in Worcester. With an Islanders thing painted on yeah, his chest. I had to follow through on my bet, you know? <laughs> he never bet on the, as long football. as Rask is around, never bet on them. Never bet on hockey, period. I know. Uh, <laughs> I know, never bet on the Bruins because that's when they'll lose. No, when I think he's right about hockey because when you bet on them, it's always a point and a half. The Montreal Canadiens are one game from the finals. I'm going to throw up on myself. They're not even supposed to be. They shouldn't be in the playoffs. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs> the Islanders weren't supposed to get this far either. No, right? It's going to be weren't. the Islanders and the Canadians for the cup, and I'm going to puke. Yeah, all about hearts. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Josh. Go ahead. So, Did you hear about Josh's accident or almost? No. All right. No. Go. So I, you were I, with Shu in Worcester. Yes. And then I came home, and my wife was like, hey, do you want to take the dogs and the baby for a walk? And to where we walk on this rail trail, which is across the street from where we live, it's a very busy road. And ever since, usually I don't like people stopping for me anyway. I hate being a pedestrian and I hate pedestrians. So I just, I like to cross the street when nobody's around. And now <laughs> with the carriage, people like have this huge respect for the carriage apparently, and yeah. they stop immediately and they let us go. And on this day, this car stopped and waved us on. There was no car coming the other way. A car came from behind him, stopped. So I was like, okay, this, let's go. As we were crossing, there was a third car coming 
and I was like, that guy doesn't look like he's going to stop. And he didn't and smashed into the car that was behind the car that let us go, which smashed into that car. And now all of a sudden there's three vehicles exploding, sliding towards me and my baby and my wife and my dogs. And my wife ran across the street to avoid the cars. And I got the dogs out of the way. And she was like, uh, should I call 911? And I was like, uh, yeah. I have a question. Yes. You remember to take the baby with you. I know. <laughs> you said she ran across the street and you got the dogs. Where, where's the yeah, baby? Where's the baby? <laughs> <laughs> baby was at home. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you went for a walk with the baby. <laughs> we did. So she, she was pushing the carriage and she ran across okay, with the carriage okay. to, okay. you know, to safety. Right. <laughs> and so... Woo! She was like, should I call 911? And I was in a daze and all of a sudden I heard a woman screaming and a baby oh, screaming. And I was God. like, this is going to be messy. And I was like, call 911. <laughs> and I ran over and then we dealt with all the stuff or whatever. And cops showed up, the fire engines, the EMTs, and nobody was asking us any questions. And I was like, we kind of caused this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I feel like, you know, we witnessed it. it. The guy who didn't slow down caused it. The yeah. third car. Also, yeah, you also we're not in a crosswalk. Nobody asked. We didn't ask anyone to stop God, for us. Stop. You're not at fault. It was the dude who didn't see the car stopped in front of him. Yeah. So it, it, it wasn't our fault, but no. I, I still felt a huge amount of bad. guilt. Not, no, you shouldn't feel guilty fault. at all. If we weren't crossing the street, none of that would have. Oh, stop it. No, Jesus Christ, Josh, stop. Shut the fuck up, you're fine. Oh my hey, God. before we go any further, Mike, your microphone sounds like shit. My doesn't. microphone sounds like shit? Sounds okay in your ears? Yeah, it sounds fine to me. You're crystal clear. He sounds muffled. Just throw it out there before you get an hour into this thing. I oh, sound no. all right, Josh? Yeah, you sound fine. Perfect. Maybe, maybe I'm too loud. but um, That's what it is. I, no, yes. you sound fine, Josh. I do? Yeah. Okay, great. So we've narrowed it down to Isaiah's the problem. You sound fine. He doesn't lick my balls. We're using actual headphones and speaking into very nice (laughs) microphones. You wasted your fucking money. Coronavirus is over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's over. Get some headphones and a microphone. Um, Oh, how about if we get together? (laughs) That would be nice too. But um, the 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 whole point of why I'm telling this story is I walked up to the cop and I was like, hey, I don't know if you need any information from me, but we kind of, we didn't cause it, but we were the ones crossing the street. We witnessed the whole thing. And he kind of looked at me and was like looking me up and down. And he's like, okay. And he was like, uh, yeah, easy enough. That's that's fine. And he was staring at me and I was like, oh, I'm going to end up in handcuffs, aren't I? <laughs> he, was just, he looked like he was like looking through me and I was like, why is he sizing me up? And I yeah. realized he was looking at my shirt and he went, is that the podcast Mike Shoe does? I was wearing oh. a break in the ice shirt. Oh, great. <laughs> that's, you know, I would be like, hey, that's great, but it's a policeman. So why does he know me? There could be several reasons. Well, He's a listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to the police. He had no idea who I was, but <laughs> he's a big yeah. Mike Chu fan. All right. So that what that whole proves right there is that people should buy merch. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> it gets you out of having to be a witness. Right. Nice. <laughs> can you can you check get you out of court? <laughs> how many how many don't be a racist cock t-shirts have we sold? <clears throat> I don't Aside from I don't the one know. that I bought. I I you know what? I haven't even looked at the, the merch. 
So I have no idea. Uh, a hippie chick up in uh, Portland, Maine, sent me a picture of her standing next to her pot plant with a with a Mike Shoe with a mullet T-shirt on. That's really great. Yeah. We know that we've sold one Mike Shoe mullet, one Cheddar from summer of like last year, and one Don't Be a Racist Cock t-shirt. So we're killing it on this podcast. Right. And a few people have actually asked me recently, have asked me about hoodies, and they're like, when when, when do hoodies go back up? And I was like, <laughs> Jimmy Dunn is so interested in what we're talking about. <laughs> I thought so, it was getting set up. Thanks like, for uh, thanks podcast. for Jimmy Dunn for coming on. Show's over. <laughs> Appreciate the appearance. <laughs> We can say oh that we had God. Jimmy Dunn on for three, two, one. <laughs> oh, he's back. And he's back. Okay. There we go. Back. And we're all waiting. <laughs> we'll wait for we're, we're, we're too nervous now. <laughs> no, no, back to the hoodies. Our hoodies going back on breakingtheicepodcast.com. They're actually the, the last time someone mentioned it to me, um, was when Shu was doing the Islanders thing in, in yeah. Worcester. Someone came up to me. I went home and immediately put hoodies back up on the website. I didn't nice. know they were down. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Here, so, Mike, for a guy who runs this business here, Josh, doesn't look at the inventory, isn't right. sure what podcast is posted last, not quite sure. Do we still have sponsors? I was, I, I don't know. I no idea. I have no idea. Anymore. The baby has. Right. I'm you're just a baby now. So yeah. it's like, you don't know what's going on. You're not sleeping. Your whole world is ruled by, you know, like that little dude in Star Trek that made the uh, Tholian web. <laughs> no idea what that means. Right. But most importantly, can you what? hear us, Jimmy? I can hear you. Yeah. Can you hear oh, me? awesome. Okay. There we go. Thank All you right. Very much for coming on. We're not neglecting you. We're just, we just got to finish a thought because we're just talking about dumb shit. Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about how, um, Josh doesn't know what the hell he's doing with his podcast and nobody's listening and you don't have any hoodies for sale. And I went, right. maybe I should just check out of this. Yeah. Maybe I'll right. leave the room. This will do this podcast will do nothing for your career. Yeah. Well, that, that fits right in with the rest of it. So we're good. <laughs> I'm really good at that. That's good. That's good. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, man. We appreciate it. And, um, you uh you are not just a, a stand-up comic and actor, but you're a writer and a writer on like one of my favorite shows ever, which is Louder Milk. Yes. Come on, you're, you're a big Louder Milk fan. Huge. Huge. All huge. Oh, I love that. Fans. That makes me that makes me so happy. Too, we because... had Jackie Flynn on, and I didn't yeah. know the show existed until jo Josh's father is friends with Jackie. So Jackie came on and we're like, okay, this was before the third season dropped on Amazon Prime. And we all went and watched it, dude. My wife and I just—we're not caught up with season three. That show is fucking yeah. awesome. Oh, uh, thank you so much. I, it that, made me want to go to AA. I don't even have a problem. <laughs> um, so for the fun, right? It just yeah. seems like a fun place to be. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it makes AA look like such a good time. <laughs> Interesting and nice people who are really good at heart, even though they oh, might yeah. on you or steal something from you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah every, every character is awesome and i like how there's it, it, there's every now and then in the circle there's just this one rando that kind of pops in and you're like will that person have a line and i'm at the point where uh brian regan's character had Muggsy. just done had just what's his name Muggsy. yeah Muggsy. Muggsy. Muggsy is just my, Muggsy's my favorite character no Muggsy. no disrespect to jackie flynn but Muggsy right. is my favorite character. he, he had just gone Muggsy. he had just gone to his son's you know meet the father day and yeah. told the kids basically, <laughs> I fucking kill animals. Yeah. And then and they go back to the drunk circle. Hey, yeah. hey, sorry. And and he's trying to explain that. And then what was it? Didn't Jackie turn to kill my neighbor's fucking beagle? Yeah. And it got and it got weird. But here's one of those characters 
the guy with the long beard that's sitting right next to Ron, sitting right next to Sam Loudermilk. He just, he goes, I'll do it. I'm like, yeah. oh, he fucking talked. <laughs> yeah, that's- want it look like to an accident or do you want to send a message? Yeah, that's hysterical. <laughs> they, 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 um, they, they take pride in like letting, you know, they don't want just background actors just to be background actors. They love giving a funny line in one of the characters that you don't know. Oh. And, and that's, that's one of the cool things is like you could just you could just write a line and throw it in for anybody like that. But right. My my favorite thing in that whole thing is when uh, when Muggsy goes, well, you know, when sometimes when you have uh, a raccoon on your porch, and well, your parents will call me and I'll come over and kill it, and then they right. go ah, oh. and then one of the kids goes, what kind of person kills a raccoon? He goes, that's a great question. A licensed and bonded exterminator. <laughs> His He's son, so good, man. Brian Regan is Brian Regan's one of the funniest guys on the planet. That is that is one of the big surprises oh, to me. I'm familiar with Brian Regan and his stand-up. But the guy can act. Oh yeah. Oh I've my never god. Seen him oh. Anything else? If he's been in another movie or TV show, I haven't seen it. And this is my first time seeing him doing something other than stand-up. And that whole part where he goes back to where his wife is living and says, I want to be a better father. And, and he just starts crying. And I was just like, Oh my God, that's Brian Regan. Yeah, I know. Right. He's breaking my heart. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Guess who wrote that episode? You, your friend, Jimmy and your friend, Jackie and Peter Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was that, shit. That's the, that's, that's one of the ones that I got to write. So that's, I'm, I'm glad you're digging it. I'm no, glad I found an audience no. because when it first came out, it was on this really weird audience channel thing on AT&T and nobody yeah. could see it unless they had direct TV and it was weird, but I'm just glad that they, they got it to Amazon and now all three seasons are out there and hopefully yep. we get to do more. Dude, did you have anything to do with writing uh, it, when Jackie gets pulled over and is explained to the cop, it, it was an intro <laughs> to a show, why he couldn't walk a straight line? That's actually uh, one of Jackie's stand-up bits oh, okay. that he's been right. doing a long time, and he talked he talked to uh, Peter Farrelly into letting him do it. Uh, Peter, P- so Peter Peter Farrelly and Jackie Flynn have a long relationship. Peter is a big stand-up comedy fan, and they became buddies a long, long time ago. Um, but Pete loves stand-up comedy, and that's why uh, that show is so funny because a lot of the writers in the in the writers' room are stand-up comics. A lot of the actors are stand-up comics. He knows that if you can do it. Uh, as a stand-up comedian all by yourself that you you certainly can deliver a joke and uh, right. i've met some of the funniest people on the planet working on that show so it's it's uh it's a really really cool gig i've i've picked up on a few jackie flynn bits in that that show like that weren't even delivered by him like ron livingston when it's like as the crow yeah. flies how far is that and i was like exactly. this is a jackie flynn bit ron livingston's doing it and yep. <laughs> I've seen negotiations on how much money you want for that bit in the dress in the uh, in the writer's room too. So. And some of the other some of the other writers are uh, one of the writers, this guy Danny Smith, is a um, is has been with Family Guy since day one. So he oh made, wow, he's just a brilliant writer. And um, there are a couple of writers that work on Larry David show on, on Curb. That, that another work. great show. Oh man, and they're so they're so talented, and it's just it's. It's the coolest job in the world. So how do we get it to season four? How do I mean three are out? They've all dropped. I mean, what's what's the yeah. gauge for watching? Because it's so different. There are no ratings on Amazon Prime. That's all subscription based, right? Yeah, they know exactly how many people watch, and they don't tell anybody. And um, oh, so they, they do business like Netflix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and but they Facebook. Might tell, they might tell the producers. They might maybe they know, 
Um, and somebody knows because people get paid based on how many hits or whatever, but, um, it's all up to how much noise it makes. And, uh, last I heard that they were interested in maybe doing a season four or five, uh, four and five. And so, um, hopefully, you know, I've been down that road before too, with the, with the McCarthy's where, you know, you get fans making a lot of noise and hopefully that would get people to make another up another season, but it really always comes down to money and numbers. And so, Just, yep, that's how it went with WAF too. That's so. a, that's, oh, yeah, that's, that's a radio business, man. Everybody that I know that's in the radio business used to be in a radio business. That's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just that's the way it is. It's yeah, it's it's absolutely thankless the radio business. And ah, uh, yes, um, that's one of the beauties of my job is you know if everything falls apart and there's nothing there, which there was for the last year and a half. <laughs> I can still go stand at Elks Club and tell jokes to people, and I'll still make some money. So right. When, when you, you mentioned being in the writer's room, is it because this, like this, for example, the stories I've heard about, say this, like being on Saturday night live and yeah. getting, getting you. So do you do the same thing with louder milk? Do you present things? And- so with louder milk, it's, I mean, I don't know how SNL works. I've read all those books too. I, I, I love, I'm fascinated by how writer's rooms are run. Yeah. And generally, you know, it's whoever's in charge of the show runs the, runs the room the way they want. Another great one is uh, I read the book called uh, Seinfeldia, I believe it is, which is all about how all the Seinfeld episodes were written. Wow. Um, and Larry David's a, I get to meet him and he's a, he's a, he's a brilliant guy, but he's crazy too. And how, how he runs his room. Um, but with ours, it's, there's a bunch of writers. Uh, we go in and pitch a bunch of ideas. And then um, there's two people that run the show, Peter Farrelly and Bobby Mort. And uh, they, they sort of assign scripts and say, all right, well, I like this idea that Jimmy has. So Jimmy, go off and write that. And then I like this idea you guys have. Why don't you guys go write that one? And then, um, for, you know, speaking for myself, uh, Jackie and I wrote a script. We gave it to Pete. He liked it. Had a bunch of notes. I'd rewrite based on those notes. We'd punch it up. We'd change things. Probably did four or five drafts before Pete said, all right, now come sit with me and we'll go over every beat of this. And then when you think it's all done, now it's all done. Then it goes in a pile with the other 10 for the season. Oh, geez. And then, and then we all get together as every, all the writers and we put every script up word for word on a board and we go through every sentence and say, is this right? Can that be funny? Can this get better? So oh my God, that sounds like an extremely painful process. It's like really, having your really script cool. put up on a board and having other writers kind of pick oh, up. Oh, that's board. tough, man. And, yeah. and when you're fighting you're fighting for your jokes sometimes and you, you got to pick your battles and, but it, you know, sometimes you're looking at 11 of the funniest people on the planet and they're going, ah, maybe Jimmy, we can make that one better. The, I'll tell you one that I really wanted is um, in the episode where Jackie gets hit with a golf club, a woman hits him in the head. Yeah. With a golf club. <laughs> I, and, uh, I wanted him in the courtroom the next day. And I wrote on his forehead, it says Ganip because it's ping backwards, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't want to put a pin on it. I just wanted just you barely notice it. You know, right. those are my favorite. Little favorite indentation. Kind of yeah, I love it. And it just or it's is- like the, the like the dots of the golf ball, like the fucking Epcot thing. Yeah. Yeah. What happened, man? What the fuck? Exactly. But I wanted I wanted one of the one of the boys. I wanted Muggsy to go. What's Ganip? <laughs> just leave it at that, you know. And, and that's um, got to be a Brian Reagan line too. What's Ganip? Yeah. It's perfect, but uh, that that episode was so good because it got so like it was it was so like 
you know how everyone's fucking soft and pissed about everything these days. I'm just like, it was so good because they were just being fucking male chauvinistic douchebags yeah. <laughs> on a golf course with douchebag golfers. Mm-hmm. And I'm just watching this go, this is good. This is really well written. You kind of got near it to piss off and then you were gone. Yeah. It's I think the, the thing I, and correct me if I'm wrong. The thing about that one was like, nobody was right. Right. There's absolutely yeah. nobody right about anything like, in that episode. To me. Everybody missed. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way, but I do. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I love, no, one could, um, no one could ultimately get mad and finish being pissed because nobody really finished the thing that pissed me off. I thought that was a really, I thought it was great because didn't the ball just barely roll up on the lady's foot and she flipped the fuck out. Exactly. And it barely hit her. He goes, I apologize. You got hit by a vicious dribbler to the shin. <laughs> How but many I of love, these episodes? Um, I love Jackie's character. I love Jackie's character in that too. But so Jackie's character in the show and Jackie Flynn, if you know him, it's it's the same guy. And, yeah. You know, Jackie's one of my dear friends, and and I've known him for a long, long. I mean, one of my first stand-up gigs was with with him a long, long, long time ago. And so I know Jackie really well. So I love writing. I love writing for Brian, but I also love writing Jackie jokes. And and I love calling him. Go, oh, I got six great jokes for you on this one. God, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so, so I, I love only, Jackie Flynn. When you're writing a story, but are are you also writing for the character? You're not just coming up with like a story concept. You're like, okay, so I, I got to write some lines for Muggsy. Yeah, so when so you, you like- put yourself in his place. 100%, yeah. So but you start with the story and then you find the obvious break and you find the arc in it. Um, and so you have an outline of the story and where you want it to go in each scene and then you break it down to scenes but then yeah you have the scene so let's say you have the scene and you're in the room uh, under the church they're having their meeting yep. you, you know you know what Muggsy's going to say you know Loudermilk's going to be the voice of reason kinda. kind of you know, you know Jackie's <laughs> going to not get it you know right. you know the young kid's not going to care um, right. and so when when you have the joke, when you have the conflict, the story, whatever, you know what they're going to say. It's like any good sitcom. Like if you, if you watch any good sitcom, you know the characters' unique voices. Um, I, I love Everybody Loves Raymond. I think it's one of the best written sitcoms of all time. So amazing. I yeah. watch it constantly, still nonstop. God bless TBS. So good. And just an absolute textbook class in how to write a sitcom because you know exactly what the characters are going to say. One thing you never want to do is write a, uh, have a character say a line just for the joke, right? But it doesn't fit that character. Which you see a lot of sitcoms do, where it's yeah, just and, like and you can we'll, see the joke coming a mile away. Yeah. yeah, and we'll do that too. Like when we're ripping up other people's scripts, you go, "Ah, would he say that? I don't know if right. he would say that." Um, so I, I got one that I was working on where the priest does some stuff, and the priest just too. And I get called out on that going would the priest really do that? And I'm like, eh, I don't know if you've seen the news, but yeah, probably. <laughs> that, particular, that particular priest who obviously has some kind of gambling problem. Yeah. Know. Smoking yeah. problem, drinking right. problem. He's yeah. got a fucking flask right there. Yeah. You know. That's what I love about it. And here's the other, you know, I mean, the other really cool part about Loudermilk is that, you know, Bobby Mort co-created it with Peter Farrelly, but it's directed by Peter and Bobby Farrelly. And Pete Farrelly is just an amazing director that that made Green Book and and won yeah. you know won everything with I mean Green Book's the perfect movie but he also has still has you know when he wants it that that dumb and dumber sensibility too so it's I he, there's no joke that's that's too absurd for those guys they'll they'll listen you know they might tell you nah dude that's not it but they'll 
you could pitch anything to them there that's what who, I wrote about who wrote the pool episode um the pool episode the 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 girl that uh that louder mill bashed remember sorry let, let's go to the oh, point oh, Lizzie where, pool. Uh, yes yeah Lizzie, oh yes. Yeah. Lizzie Lizzie. Pool. very Lizzie. similar to that kind of emotional where you know, you know because when he realizes because uh what's the girl's name the uh, the ex um the addict the uh Oh, um, Claire? Claire. Claire, thank you. So yeah. when Loudermilk bangs Claire's mother, hello. Yeah. <laughs> and, and But they're listening to Pool, and he's like, oh, shit, this is really good. And he's like, oh, fuck. I, like, he destroyed that girl's career. Yeah. And then spent the episode trying to find her, found out that she was in town. And by the way, Sasso is, is fucking oh, hysterical. Sasso's a whole other thing, man. He's what, so That's good. a whole... We'll get oh, to him so next. Good. But so who wrote Best that episode? Best calves in the league, too. Right? Who wrote that episode? Were you involved in that, or who was really? That's a good that question. Pool? No, I didn't write that one. I remember when it got pitched. I remember the idea, and then I forget who wrote the script. But I do remember when we were punching it up that it was, it was super tight. I don't, I don't, I don't remember changing a whole lot of that. But I, I do remember that script. I thought the episode was great, and uh, um, that's third season. They're writing a, the the writing you know, came with a lot more of Louder Milk sort of. He's there's some self-reflection now going on. Like, well, it's good because right. he's the leader of a group that has to self-reflect. And when you see, like, he recognizes that he was all fucked up when he was writing, you know, critic for uh, a writing critic for Rolling Stone. Yeah. And he smashed, he smashed this girl to nothing. Ruined, ruined her life. Yeah. Ruined yeah. her life. And just, but just how they go through where she is. And he thinks she's in a homeless shelter, but it was a house she's remodeled. It's just really yeah, fucking was, cool. Because right. because someone's in, inside yelling, it's just a little crack. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, he runs in really. and it's like, it's a DYI episode where it's like, oh, I, he cracked them all. Cracked the I gotta go. Rock, yeah. <laughs> I gotta fucking go. Classic misdirection, man. That's, that's Dude, just right. I just comedy writing one over 101. Like it's the three stooges. Look over here, look over here. Right. Right. Oh, I just watched that episode last night. But, they, but then you get into the emotional part where when she tells the story, Lizzie Poole of like, yeah, I had to fucking sell my guitar and all this shit. And he yeah. goes out and gets the, sorry for those who haven't seen the show. I'm spoiling everything, but I yeah. love the show. Goes out and gets the guitar, puts it on the counter and just says, don't quit the business. I was like, this is like good emotion on top of every other person telling everyone else to fuck off in the, in the circle. It's great. And that's like a perfect Fairly Brothers formula too, where it's like hilarious, but then it, it's also got right. so much heart behind it right. that you're, you're like, I'm laughing, but I'm also like feeling so bad for this character. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna cry. <laughs> yeah, television's got to have heart. I, the first time um, my wife watched the episode, and I let her read a couple of the scripts, but the first time she watched the Muggsy episode where um, where Muggsy screws up, you know? Oh yeah. She That's, goes. Oof. She watches him about to screw up, and she goes, "Oh no." Right. Like she's <laughs> the same thing. My wife oh, who no. knows all. My wife knows all the tricks and has. You know, she's married to a comedian. She's got no soul at all. <laughs> and she's going, no, don't do it, Muggsy. And I'm like, ah, we got you. Yeah. Uh, Brian Regan needs some kind of an award for that performance. That I sure fun. hope so. I, I hope someone notices it. I'm getting all of that. So I'm in the Writers Guild and the, and the Actors Guild as well. So I'm getting all those for your consideration things. Um, and I, I hope someone does a campaign for him to get to get him some, make him some noise. I mean, uh, he's, his turn in, in season three is just amazing. And I, that's yeah. the other reason why I hope we get a season four because um, 
I, I think, well, I don't think, I know some of the stuff that's been sketched out for season four. And I, I man, Oof. I hope he gets to do it because his, he, his relationship with the new guy is fucking great. Basically it's fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He now talking calls, about calls him a little turd. No, yeah. I, I, lo- I love the way he fights with new guy. Yeah. <laughs> new guy's a fascinating character. Yeah, yes, he really is. So new guy is played by a guy named Ricky Blit, who is a talented actor, but also a writer. And uh, I want to say first five seasons of Family Guy, he was a writer on that. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, and Ricky's a Ricky's a funny dude, man. And he really he's, does uh, look like a public defender. Like he does, he right. just like. <laughs> He's just got that look. And another thing that you guys would love about him is um, he is so passionate about his uh, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins that um, oh, yeah, he's that a, real, uh, a real thing with him. It's it's a real thing with him. That's really, really? Him. to the point <laughs> where so funny. we had a couple nights where we were writing while uh, last last year or two years ago, while while the playoffs were going on and this is a guy that's like one of the, I mean, he's, he's won awards for his comedy writing and he doesn't show up because he's quote watching the game. Oh, <laughs> and, that's, and, and that's, that's an excused absence with the guy. And I'm like, where's Ricky? Yeah, he's watching the game. Well, well I want to watch the game. Yeah. But you know him. <laughs> is no, he born you, and you, raised you, Pittsburgh? <laughs> I think so. You don't no, get you know, to be actually, absent a, to watch your team. I think he's born and raised a Canadian. I think he's a, Oh, but he I likes think the he's penguins. from Canada, but I think he likes the penguins. Oh, double whammy, huh? Can you tell me yeah. if actually, you wrote this, if you wrote this line or, or who did, because it's just, it, it was one of the funniest lines ever when he talks about being in like third grade and he breaks both his legs, jumping into a sandbox. <laughs> and then he yeah. says, I had to go to school in a wagon for three months. Yeah. They called me Laura Ingalls. I almost peed. That is such a great line. That's either Ricky. I think Ricky wrote that or maybe Danny. I think it's either Ricky or Danny. But, okay, because um, that was just. <laughs> I had to go to school in a wagon. In a wagon. Yeah. Laura Ingalls. I was like, uh, who's going to get the Little House on the Prairie reference? <laughs> That's See, I, love, I love jokes that aren't for everybody. I hate but- me so too. Like so the, specific that. Yeah, it's- <laughs> I love the throwaway stuff that just you get. So one of the things that makes sitcoms so, um, like sitcommy. I don't know what the word is, but one of the reasons that Shitty. sitcoms can get bad is when yeah they they get sent up and everybody has to sign off on it. And just by sheer definition, if everybody likes something, then it's going to be average. You know, it's yep. it's it, it. You have to let one voice kind of figure it out, and you have to throw jokes away that aren't. Um, I do that in stand up all the time. Like I'll throw jokes away that are just for, you know, you'll, you'll hear three guys laughing and I'm like, right. and that makes me happy that they got that joke. Right. And, and, it, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like a nod. Like, I know you guys are still here. This is for you. And I also know you're sitting with your girlfriend and they'll laugh at the other stuff, but this one's for you. you know? Right. <laughs> well, I think a, a, a great comedian once said, you know, the best way to fail at something is to try to please everybody. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And that's, and, that's, and that that's the problem with sitcoms. Right. And that great comedian was mm. Bill Cosby. Maybe he should have tried, tried to please a few other people. Yeah. yeah like maybe himself. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. You know, it just, yeah. sorry. I, I, I listened to every one of those albums, man. I was a yep. huge Bill Cosby. I knew him by heart. Guy. Yeah, I knew the whole Buck Buck bit by heart. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely the go karts, all of it. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's a bummer. Never I swore in any the stand podcast. up. I'm pretty psyched. Yeah, but never. also never swore on any stand up. And he used to yell at comics, going, you know, you shouldn't be swearing, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe you shouldn't be doing a few things too, Duke. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, he called Eddie Murphy maybe. to yell at him about yeah. it. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, how maybe. about not raping people? Yeah. You know, oh, maybe you shouldn't be an amateur scientist, Duke. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Anyway. Let's you talk know, about Jim. You go, go ahead, Mike. I got a question about the next you're show you're doing lots. Sitcoms and like things, you know, going formula and kind of getting boring and stuff. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch Kevin Can Fuck Himself yet. I haven't. I oh, did, wow. actually I read for a couple of parts on that show, but I haven't watched it yet. It's um it's pretty interesting what they do because the way it started was so formula sitcom with a That's laugh. the girl with Sh from Shits Creek, right? Yeah, yeah, Annie Murphy, who's brilliant yes. in it. And it's it's I'm like and it's it's definitely the um all in the family living room. Yeah. And there's a bunch of things in there that remind you of all these kind of like classic family sitcoms and she's the wife that's the smartest one in the room but nobody listens to her and everything mm. and then when she goes to another room and is alone it turns into like it looks like ozark like the cinematography gets dark yeah there's no laugh track there's no music and it's like her dealing with the stress of how like an actual sitcom wife is treated if you watch like king of queens or something sure. like that right yeah and then as how she's dealing, like, no one listens to me. I have dreams too. Nobody fucking cares. It's, and it's, it fucks with your head to the point where when he, she goes back with her husband, they go back to the classic sitcom formula. It's just, it's cringy because you know what she's thinking now. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't seen it yet. I, I read the script. Um, I read the pilot script. I actually read for a couple parts in that show. And then I got this weird thing like, and I get to read for a lot of sitcoms because I had that success with the McCarthy's, even though it was only one season. Um, you know, they, they, they got me on the list now. And so um, I have this thing sometimes when I, you know, I audition for something and I don't get it, I have this attitude like, fuck that show. And then <laughs> it'll, it'll take me a while. I don't care how good the show is. It'll take me a while before. That's I the mass hole in you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, then I'll, and then I'll watch it and go, most of the time I'll watch it go, Oh yeah, that guy's better. That's pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes I'll go, oh, they, they screwed up. But 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 a lot of times I'll go. Uh, most of the time I'll go, yeah, right. But I have to I have a process like that, that takes us mass holes a little extra to be like, ah, fine, you're better. Fuck off. It, it really does. It takes it takes a while and it's I don't care if that guy's better. Yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> right? there's there's some movies I still can't watch. You know, the guy who got the guy I, I read a couple of times for the guy who gets fired right before they go off to sea in the perfect storm, you know? Oh. And I was, and then, and, and the whole thing was we want the authentic New England accent. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I am literally a licensed, a commercially licensed lobster fisherman, you know? And then they hire some kid from LA who can't do a bar. <laughs> right. Douche. Fuck him. Yeah. I should have put him on a boat too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, just, I still to this movie, and I love that movie. I think that's a great movie. But still to this day, when I'll have to when that when that scene comes up, I have to pause it. All right, right. Like, now see, I have the opposite problem. Anything people include me in, I'm like, I'm not watching that. They included me. Why the, <laughs> there's something wrong with them. <laughs> so N Nantucket Comedy Festival. Yes. Excited? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's one of the coolest gigs in. Uh, in, uh, you know, I don't want to talk too much about it because all the all the comics that if any comic listens to this, they'll all be calling trying to get it. But so, 
Um, Kevin Flynn, not Jackie Flynn, not related, but a uh, another great Boston comic that I started out with. He started a comedy festival down there in Nantucket a long, long time ago. And the shows are great, and it's a really cool comedy festival. His number one rule is no agents, no management, no bullshit. So it's just comics. That's cool. And the comics run it, and there's no nonsense. In fact, two years ago, we... We physically removed an agent from the premises. <laughs> uh, my, my buddy Vic, God rest his soul, he, he, uh, he, he threw the guy out twice. And he was, he was a big agent, too. He was like, now, nah, Vic's got this other act. Now, nah, none of you fucking agents are allowed in here. Jimmy, help me with this guy. <laughs> threw him out the, out the building. But it's a, it's, it's a great festival. Um, and then the cool part is that after every show, it's like a week there. After every show, the people on Nantucket, the, the patrons of the arts, if you will, want to show off and have you over to their house for dinner. And everybody wants to outdo the, they all want to have the best dinner. So um, we have some of the most amazing meals and you go in these multi, 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 multi dollar oh, homes. Fuck. And they, there's a giant, this guy got a hundred foot yacht that takes us out swimming off of that thing. And, and, um, you know, we certainly don't belong there, and it's a blast. It's uh, it's really it's a tough cool. gig. One, one year, one year they had this 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 couple had a seafood meal that like you just wouldn't believe, just stacks of lobsters and Jesus, and it was insane, right? So I'm telling uh, Don Gavin, who's one of the best comics ever, I'm, yeah. an old, older guy, and I'm telling Gav about it. Gav, Gav, don't eat today. I'm telling you, when she, <laughs> when we go to their house and they got a chef. And they bring out this thing, and it, I mean, it's just—it's the most amazing meal I've ever had. And I don't—I don't like seafood, and so I go. But you're gonna love it, Gav. It's gonna—don't—don't <laughs> don't eat today. I'm telling you, don't eat. So we do the shows. We go over there. Gav's like, I'm starving, and we sit down in this big formal thing, and they bring out this is our chef, and he's prepared a special meal for us. And he comes out, and he goes, he goes tonight. I have prepared special meal for all the great comedians tonight is Mexican food night. And Gav, oh. on the other end of the table, goes, fuck you, Jimmy! <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. The guy decided to go Mexican tonight. What are you going to do? <laughs> and we both took a sip of beer that was unrehearsed. That's just what we do. Hold on. What? <laughs> we are hiring a salesperson. We are. We are hiring a salesperson because I have a baby. I've run out of time. You run your own business. You've run out of time. Mike Shue is back on the radio. And Correct. we just want somebody to make money off of us. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go this, Josh. <laughs> it's really fucking simple. You watch the show. You like the show. You get the show. You sell the show. Go find people that like what we do. We all work at WAF. We have the same kind of vibe that WAF had. And the same kind the of numbers. World. So you, you want to make well, money. Right, right. That's it. So listen, fuck. Can you sell? Can you sell? Good. Call us. Text us. Email us. DM us. Because if you think you can sell Breaking the Ice podcast, we're interested in you. Right. So We're if done. you want to make money off of us, whore us out, whore yourself out, and then let's go. <laughs>
<laughs> we'll, we'll do whatever I'm you sorry. want. Do you want to be a whore? <laughs> you were with Lenny last night. Every time I see oh, Lenny Clark, awesome. he calls me a whore. And I don't. <laughs> Dude, I love Lenny. Lenny's awesome. Lenny! Lenny's going to be on the show again. Can you sell Lenny? You fuck. Let's go. Everyone can sell Lenny. That's why he's cast in every single commercial in New England. Him and Tony V. Don, hey, listen. Can you sell? Because Breaking the Ice podcast is looking for you to sell us. If you can sell, we'll pay you. Oh, I'm sorry. We're going to pay you. We haven't even talked about the commission. The co- Thank you. Dollar bills, y'all. They're all crinkled. Do you see the kind of money Josh Dolan has? He has $3 to his name, and he's willing to give you $150 of that. So this is, there is yeah, $3 here, but I then know. there's, it's like 47 bucks. I don't what? know. I'll count <clears throat> it later. I can't be bothered. That doesn't help. That doesn't help. Okay, we're done. No, Can you sell? if you want to make some of this, nobody uses cash anymore. But you know, listen, we'll Venmo you your checks. Wait, I said checks. What am I ninety? <laughs> we'll Ven. <laughs> We're taping this. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So. Can you sell? No, seriously. Can you sell? If you, if you're passionate about the brand that Breaking the Ice is, if you watch these shows and you get it, and you think that clients will get it, we'll fucking pay you. Exactly. Josh is going to give you a dollar or more. <laughs> Let's not talk price right now. It's good. It's a healthy commission. <laughs> now back to the episode. <laughs> how are you from Beverly and you don't like seafood? Maybe you got too much funny? seafood. I'll tell you exactly how I, why I hate seafood. So I grew up in Beverly as a kid. My mom lived on Hampton Beach, which is where I live now. And I used to spend my weekends and my summers uh, on Hampton Beach. When I was 13 years old, I got a job at the Sea Catch scrubbing dishes. That was my first job ever. And those dishes with the seafood just wouldn't stop coming. And (laughs) for an entire summer, every day, every day I thought I was going to quit. Every day. And all the waitresses were these, you know, the girls from UNH and they'd come over and they they pitch me on the cheek and go, you're so cute. And I'd go, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. Like every day I thought it was the last day. And I would ride my bike home and I'd get chased home by, by the seagulls and the cats. And I just was, I just learned to hate seafood from oh, you got very young and I never got over it. And I still, I have a, I have a commercial lobster license. I catch lobsters right out front here, but I can't stand eating them. I can't stand the smell of them. So, I give them away to my neighbors. You'll sell them though. <laughs> I, I'll sell them or sell I, them. I trade them. It's, I, I generally will trade them to friends for, you know, someone helps me out or whatever, but mostly I give them to my neighbors. So and That's hilarious nothing, that you said that noble about chased that. home by the Eagles. I thought, I thought living in Hampton, you were going to say I got chased home by the meth heads from Seabrook, but right. Yeah, they can get some of that too. Some of the brook is going, Hey bud, you got lobsters. <laughs> Chasing it out of seafood because it's disgusting. I just scrubbed all that stuff for so much. And it was, I just, I don't want to do, I can't stand the smell of the stuff. And I wish I, I liked seafood. I, I love the smell of it. I love the look of it. But as soon as it gets in my mouth, it, I, I start gagging. 
I can't even be in my kitchen when my wife's cooking lobster. I gotta leave. I just I wow. can't stand it. When they said it was fucking Mexican night, you were psyched. Oh, I couldn't be happier. I had like <laughs> 20 burritos. <laughs> and Gav kept going for me. So you guys crazy. get to crash it. Uh, Lenny's got a place down in Nantucket. Lenny's on the vineyard. Yeah, he's, he's the vineyard. Right. Okay, okay. He's on the vineyard. I knew, yeah, yeah. I've been there a few times. Lenny's Lenny's, of course, one of the nicest guys on the planet, but uh Lenny's always been super good to me. And um I've had some really cool experiences out on the vineyard hanging out with Lenny and, and shooting when guns. I was, when I was a young comic, yeah, shooting guns and um, crashing on, on famous people's beaches. And you know, Lenny's, <laughs> Lenny's got the keys to everything on that island. He drives his big old truck around with a cigar hanging out of his mouth, like Yosemite Sam. Get out of that way, you know? And he's just, he's, he's awesome. riding his bike around now like a fucking madman. He's insane, man. He's just, when he does something, he just does it to the extreme. But when I we was, actually, he was, he, he came on this show. We were yeah. his first Zoom because, you know, beginning of the pandemic, yeah. everybody's locked down. I couldn't get a hold of him. I was like, where the fuck is this cat? And I, he finally picks up and he, it was the vineyard. I thought it was Nantucket. He's like, yeah, I'm down here on the vineyard. I'm like, oh, you poor bastard. But he was separated from Jen. They were in two different places for a while. And it was like, he's like, I'm fucking out here by myself. And I'm like, come on the show, come on the show. And we had gone from in person to this. And he's yeah. like, dude, Isaiah, I don't know how the fuck to use Zoom. I'm like, just work with me. And it he took like, <laughs> we had no idea either, but the first, we'll have to go back in the archives, but he, he's like, he puts on the nice shirt and he's like, you guys are my first fucking Zoom call. I can use this for AA. This is fucking great. <laughs> and now he's man. fucking on every Zoom everywhere. He's the best. He, uh, awesome. when I was a really, I was 22 year old comic and I just started doing standup. He saw me somewhere and called his brother and said, you got to get him into the club. And, Mike's the shit. Oh, oh Mike's the best. And I, I went, I, I went all over the country opening up for Lenny and, and Vegas a lot. I never, I, I, I wouldn't, I probably never would have performed in Vegas if, if Lenny hadn't got me in there. And then um, at one point, I think I was doing six or eight weeks a year in Vegas and uh, wow. all because of Lenny Clark. And he would always make, I every time I worked Vegas, I'd fly my dad out just to hang out and have fun. And Lenny was always really really great with my dad too so i, I love lenny clark and such and an amazing person reasons, it's just he's one of the reasons i get into comedy though because when i first started i would watch him command an audience and go my god man this guy is insane <laughs> and and these people would follow him to the stage yeah. if you know what i mean he's just he commanded an audience like nobody ever saw and it was it was a different time back then because you never saw stand-up comedy on tv or netflix or any of that right it was just you had to go in a dirty basement somewhere to see it. He was he was the ringleader, man, and, and uh, just bigger than life. I mean, you guys know him, but I, yeah. I Lenny Clark but he he, didn't, he was he was on TV too. Like I oh, remember God. when when I was a kid, my parents somehow were getting me into giggles when I was like twelve or whatever. <laughs> and I remember being like so starstruck by Lenny, which is funny. Like now, where he like I'll see him anywhere, and he'll be like, "Josh, what's going on?" <laughs> I'm like, "Hey, Lenny, what's going on?" But it's like he's he's just always been like he'll he treats everybody the same, and yes. it's like I'm like you were on Hollywood Squares, you're <laughs> <laughs> you were that guy on Rescue Me. What the fuck? You know Dennis Leary? What the but fuck? But there's there, there's so yeah, many comedians yeah, like that that he played himself on um, on Family Guy. I mean, that's right. He he played the. Uh... The manager of the Red Sox on Family Guy. How cool of a credit is that? Yeah, I, I feel like the I feel like the the Jordans commercials got lost because it was like, like at the beginning of the fucking pandemic. But the Jordans commercials in the past year that he was in, where 
the dude from Jordan's and him are sitting in the chairs. Those are fucking great. And they didn't run them a ton. I'm like, bring those back. Those were very fucking funny. He, he, I think one of the, well, two of the funniest things Lenny ever did. One of them was they put a green monster in New York City, like a, oh, yeah. You ever see that? that? He's the voice of the green monster heckling people. Yeah. That, that was, was fantastic. That was incredibly funny. Um, and then the best performance that Lenny Clark ever put on was, um, the concert after the bombing and he i saw him working out this set he worked out the material about the guy who you know they were hiding in his boat and they end up shooting up this guy's boat and just such a crazy topic to try and make funny yeah but, but man did he it was it was absolutely brilliant i saw him working it out in the clubs and stuff and then i didn't see it but i heard a tape of when he did the concert and it was that huge concert, that huge benefit concert. And he did that 10 minutes and it's, I heard the tape of it. It's, it's, it's probably the best 10 minutes of stand up ever performed in Boston. Just, just legendary. Wow. But like if anything happens, he'll, he'll yeah. just like, he'll just start ripping on it. And I'm like, I, I feel like this would take me like two weeks to come up. I saw him the night Michael Jackson died. Yeah. And he just he, he went up and just his whole set was about how Michael Jackson died. And it was like I still quote it now. It's probably the only time he's ever done the set, but I remember he came up and the first thing he said was, Poor Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> <laughs> because she died the same day, but nobody was talking right. about it. Michael Jackson. <laughs> he's he's fearless, man. He's just he's truly one of the best and just so original because like I mean, you can be a great comic now. You can come in and you can watch and you can learn. But when Lenny Clark started doing stand-up comedy, there were some old albums, you know, mm. but there was no formula on how to, he didn't have a set list. He didn't write, he didn't have books. He just went up there and was just the ringleader, man. And he, he invented this whole thing, the whole Boston scene, that whole Boston attitude. He, he really invented that and, and was the guy who started it and continued to be the captain for so long of it. And to the point where, when, you know, when I was a young comic and comics like me, when we would travel to comedy clubs around the country and you'd walk in and they'd go, where are you from? And you said, Boston, they'd go, Oh, this guy's the shit, man. He's going to be the yeah. real deal because, because, you know, it was Lenny. Yeah. Cause well, cause <laughs> Lenny and those guys, if, if they wouldn't let us be frauds, you know, you couldn't fake it. You couldn't fake it. You watch guys like Jackie Flynn and Kevin Flynn and and Gavin and Sweeney and Noxie. Those guys would just joke, 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 joke. And if you wanted to even get in that realm, you really had to have your shit together. And so, and especially guys, like the national headliners that would come into like Nick's Comedy Stop thinking they were hot shit, like Billy Crystal or something, because they just started in a movie and they'd be like, "All right, well, we're gonna put these four guys before you. We're gonna put Rogerson, Gavin, <laughs> Tony V, Rogerson. Lenny Clark, and then yeah, and they leave. They would leave. They would leave literally shivering, going, "I don't want to go back to Boston again." And Lenny go, "That's right, you fuck. Get out of here." <laughs> <laughs> and I love that about it too. It's like, you know, there was such a Boston attitude to the whole thing. It was, it was closed. It was our thing. And don't I'm look at us. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just lucky that I was a young kid that I, that they let jump into that thing when, when it was really firing on all eight, man, it was just an amazing thing to see and to start doing stand up, watching that stuff. It's, 
just and it's amazing that like guys like bill burr and joe rogan and like bob kelly like uh, they always talk about guys like rogerson tony v and lenny clark like looking up to them and then to be able to like know them and it's it's just like it's a weird connection to like that entire comedy world and they don't act like they're at the level that we all have them at i i remember one time i was at giggles and mike clark was like hey do you mind if uh stephen wright sits with you yeah. i was like <laughs> i was like what why are you asking me that sure. <laughs> and i i felt like just being like no i don't sit with people who have been on carson i don't <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy, I love your I love your uh, your website, JimmyDunn.com. Hold on, ready? Jimmy Dunn is a very funny comic actor. Well, no fucking shit. <laughs> Did you write that? Was that your mom? I wrote that. I can't write about myself. I hate writing about myself. <laughs> you go to the actor tab at the bottom, just just in case you wanted to know. Yeah. Jimmy Dunn is a very funny comic actor. <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> What's the uh, status of the Hampton Beach Comedy Festival? You know, we got some good news yesterday. It's we can't officially say it's on, but I think it's going to be on this year. Um, nice. We're just waiting. We're working out some venue stuff. One of the issues on Hampton Beach right now, and uh, same issue I guess everybody else is having, is nobody wants to go back to work. Yeah. They can't find um, help for the hotels and the restaurants and the bartenders. Yeah. Uh, That's a, it's stop amazing. the unemployment. It's not just that because they did that up here. It's also here's here's a here's the thing. There's an ice cream place down the street that sells a thirty-eight dollar lobster roll, and they're paying kids seven dollars an hour to scoop ice cream. So right. quit quit fucking whining and pay them twenty bucks an hour. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Me, yeah. you're pay right. Pay me half. Pay me half the lobster rolls. I hear a lot of millionaires up here uh, complaining about how they can't get work, and I go, well, you know what, dude? I wouldn't bend over that ice cream thing for seven bucks an hour either. You know? Right. I, mean, I, right. I did when I was thirteen, but. You know, thirteen-year-old kids don't want to work anymore. So are they having trouble outfitting the casino ballroom? No, the casino ballroom's good. That's that's a different. I mean, they're they're. Although I did see that they were, you know, they're looking for help there. But they're. Th that's a really cool. So I live just a few miles down the street from the ballroom, and that's a great uh, building. It's an amazing. I feel like I feel like Salapoli bought that. Do you know Salapoli? He did buy it. Yeah. He Okay, Lawrence yeah. guy. Lawrence guy from from I worked with him years ago, and he he did some real amazing work in Lawrence with some of those, uh, you know, where the mills are on the, on the rivers, yep. shithole, and he renovated all that. And I know he had his fingers in on some property up there, and they yeah, he opened. Bought, he, he bought the um, he bought that whole strip of a lot of that property and the slide. Right, the slide is gone. They tore it down about a month ago. Wow. Get the what? fuck out of here! Because like no. four people a year were going down it. And well. Yeah. Last year, well, only four two. people a year were dying on it too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was a little bit of a hazard. But have you Fuck. seen that? Have you seen that water park documentary? No, uh, the one from <laughs> New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. No, I haven't. Oh, I hear. Oh it's crazy. my god, it's so good. What's it's it on? Just, I forget where I found it, and I forget. Is it disgusting? It. <laughs> it's called um, Class Action Park. Yes. Right. Hold on. Hold on. Class. Uh, hold on. It's Watch that tonight. A guy in New Jersey, he opens up a water park and a thrill park, okay. and he opens up a fake insurance company to insure him. <laughs> just, Unbelievable! Just keeps he, and he just keeps making the most dangerous water park in the world, and people are getting creamed. And he's, 
he's paying kids like they build a water slide with no science behind it. He's paying kids 50 bucks a piece to go down it just to <laughs> see if it works. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's so good. Like you walk halfway through the thing. I'm going, this has to be fake. This has got to be one of those mockumentaries, you know, right. This yeah. is a Borat job. No, right. It's, it's real. And, and there are a couple comedians, I guess, that were in the documentary that grew up going to this park and one of them worked at the park, but that's, that, that just reminded me of that. It's so. And then good. come to find out, he designed the Geronimo at Water Country. Jesus no, he, Christ! But he, had, he had some rides like that where people. He had one that three people shot right off of, and they just. That's how that know, Hampton Beach one was. It had a jump. Tweak the turn a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know how people didn't die in Geronimo. I worked at WHEB right down the street from Water, uh, Water Country. We used to do all sorts of shit there, and yeah. I went there and did beach reports one time, and I'm like, I will right, we'll try all the shit. That one you get out and you literally come off the fucking slide. There's nothing in front of you except yeah. cement and your face. <laughs> and then you shoot down. And I'm like, the fuck is this? <laughs> At that point, I'm like 21 years old going, but that, that I'm never doing that again. Next to the ballroom was basically fuck. Geronimo with a jump in the middle. <laughs> and, there, and someone actually went off to the left on one of the. <laughs> yeah, the Salisbury one too. I mean, they're all. They're all There's a lawyer right, right off to the left going, you'll be okay. <laughs> you, ever go, you ever go to Jamaica where they have the cliff jumping thing? Oh, no. So in Jamaica, they have a really, it's called Rick's. It's a bar built into a cliff that that leans out over the water. And so you drink all afternoon and then you jump off <laughs> and you just jump. Cliff. <laughs> can I, can I just go, can I just go over my notes from today? These are the, these are the, these are the things Isaiah has to look at later. Class action park. Yeah. Uh, Kevin can fuck himself. Yeah. Uh, definitely revisit Green Book, Farrelly Brothers. Thumbs up. Oh, and then and then Jamaica drinking cliff jumping. Thank you, Jess. Yes. Rick, Rick, I believe it's called Rick's Bar. I think I got video somewhere of me doing it. If I leave these notes around, my wife's going to be like, what the <laughs> fuck were you doing? <laughs> it's your porn hub search. All the time. I will wake up in the middle of the night with a joke idea and my wife will come down <laughs> in the morning to make coffee and she'll go, what the hell? Like just be three random words. Like, yeah, like, like pepper and onions burp. And she'll be like, what, what, what is that about? Right. Who's, who's uh, Kevin and why can he, go I do that to myself. <laughs> like what, what your, your wife's reaction. I'll, I'll write something down the next morning. I'll be like, what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah, I, I do that too. <laughs> I, I wake up in the middle of the night going, brilliant. This will be seven minutes. And then I'll write it down on a piece of paper, go back to bed in the morning. I'll go, yeah, no, that was nothing. That was a bad idea. <laughs> that's, that, that's why they give us so many chances to get it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what live shows have you done uh, last year with shit? What was the first show you did after the pandemic? And how was that? So the first show after, I, I, we really took it seriously here at the house. Um, my wife works in the healthcare industry, so I had to be super, super careful as well. Yep. Um, so I was on full lockdown. I didn't do any shows. I didn't feel the need to. I also didn't feel like audiences were very comfortable. Um, so I was just pretty comfortable knowing that I'm going to fill up a notebook and I'll be good to go when, when we get the green light. You know. So the first show I did was a couple of weeks ago. A uh, young comic in Boston named Andrew Del Volpe. He's got a, a weekly show. I want to say yeah, it's a Tuesday night um, down at the Bell in Hand in Faneuil Hall. Okay. And he gets great audiences in there. And I just wanted to go knock some dust off and, and, and see if I could do it. And I just went up on stage with a whole bunch of new stuff I had never done before and had a blast. And nice. it was a gorgeous night. 
uh, took my wife. We walked around the North End. People were outside eating dinner. And I just felt like, all right, the world's going to be good. We're going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. And then that was two weeks ago. And then this past weekend, Tony and I did our two Boston guys show at the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. Awesome. And that was packed with people and giant laughs and <laughs> um, just like it was before the pandemic. And that was one where I was just like, all right, good. We can still do this and people are happy and fun. And I firmly believe that it's going to come roaring back. You yeah. just watch the amount of concerts that are being put on. All, and- all, they're all being announced all at the same time. There's it's concerts craziness. like popping up everywhere. And I went out uh, last Saturday night and it's weird because I haven't been like the thing I missed <clears throat> most was going out and seeing bands. And yeah. so I went out to see this band at the white Eagle here in Worcester. And so I, we get out of the car and I'm walking up there and I'm like, I forget how to do this. What? It was weird. It was like, okay, I pay at the door. The guy puts the wristband on me. Should I touch him? It's okay. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, it's, and then wait, you wait, walk wait, wait. in you and it's the like, guy when you go in, that's how, right that's how you that's get, how you get backstage lines, right <laughs> he's been at home too long jimmy i know and it's just kind of like you know this place is packed you know and i'm kind of like yeah. moving through the crowd I'm like forgetting how to do this you know you forget like, how to be a sardine it's yeah you forget, <laughs> you forget. I, i've totally forgot how to like hang out and watch a band and yeah. uh and it came back to me after about four vodka tonics like uh, i completely forgot how to get thrown out of the house of blues that used to be a common (laughs) thing for me and i completely Uh, (laughs) they early on we were talking about the casino ballroom down the street here um i mean they got some oh i miss watching people roll down those stairs well we used to to throw them down the stairs when when i was a kid my my kid brother was the head bouncer there for many years and so i never formally worked there i performed there a bunch of times i was the opening act for a few different bands and then well, they I only hire amateur boxers movie. right <laughs> oh man the, the, my brother and those guys were during the heyday and it was um you know, they they would they would just throw people out and not, now they can't be as obviously as violent everyone's yeah. got a camera on them but i was opening up for some band i was really young and i was bombing it was not going well Oops. and this guy stood up and says yo suck and he throws this plastic uh, table tent at me just misses me and i go you know what sir where are you it's right here you suck and i go you're a hundred percent right tonight is not my best night but here's the bad news for you <laughs> my little brother is the head bouncer of this establishment oh geez. and in about 10 seconds you're gonna hit steps 12 7 <laughs> Five, three, and then Ocean Boulevard. And on command, my brother just grabs this guy. Oh, I look at my watch. I go, got nine minutes left. Anybody else want to tell me how I'm doing? <laughs> You're amazing. You want to talk back to me or do you want to see the monkeys? Which one is it? <laughs> yep, exactly. They're, uh, they're, they're putting some good shows. Sebastian's showing up there. He's uh, late July. Sebastian's doing two shows at the Casino Ballroom. I know the guy that runs the place, Andy. So they're really, oh, I, I think, Andy well. se- Andy's an awesome dude. And, such uh, a great guy. He's, uh, he got some amazing shows going on up there. And so I, I grew up sitting on those back stairs, listening to all those, oh. all those shows. And it was, we would just go down there, sit on, on the back stairs, right? and listen to the Ramones and listen to the Pretenders. And, you know, right? listen to, it was, it was super cool. And now 
you know, I, just, I can hop on a bicycle and go down there and, and watch a show. So uh, is Sharky still pandemic, running the place? He sure is. Yep. And before the pandemic, I saw, um, saw the Mighty Mighty Boston's down there. And that was just nice. an awesome show. I've probably seen the Ramones there uh, no less than 20 times. And, oh, shit. Uh, and sometimes from the light tower, which is super cool. Uh, back when my brother was working there. But um, there's some awesome shows coming up. And uh, I'm looking forward to George Thorogood this year. I can't wait to go see that show. Oh, he's he another was always one. He's a staple. Yeah. Him, George Carlin, and then uh, like Cinderella, Rat. Yeah. You can always oh, count God. on them. To... George Thorogood hasn't changed his in-between song pattern in 30 Why years. Why should he? <laughs> right? He just comes out, does the same <laughs> Like literally goes, and away we go. And I, and, and, and I, I know all of it. By, I've probably seen him 50 times. But I, I yeah, that's where you know it's summer when it like when George Thorogood and Steve Miller came through. Right, you know, that, that, it was summertime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And, yeah. and that's part of, you know, I'm seeing all the announcements now, and I walk down there every day, and I see the posters, and go, "All right, man, George Thorogood's coming to the casino. The world's getting back to normal." All right, the day after the Jimi Hendrix Experience, I can't wait to get down there for them. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm looking at the shows that are coming through there. Am Wilson of Heart, Dirty Heads, uh, and Sublime with Rome, The Struts. So much weed at that show. So oh much weed. God. Yeah. Uh, weed. Tesla. Tesla. Tesla's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Britt Floyd, Buddy Guy, Cheap Buddy Trick. Guy. I feel it used like, to be I my think... favorite start of summer was like me, we, me and my family used to stay at my grandfather's house in Hampton, which is like two miles from the beach. And yep. like, that's when I knew it was summer. I'd go to the casino ballroom and see that giant calendar on the door and be like, all right, which comedian am I going to sit in the parking lot for and listen to their jokes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, they, they close the doors up now, but you used to be able to sit on the bottom of those stairs Yeah, and you could hear it. I mean, I've, I'm, I've done a lot of, sort of pirating shows from the loading dock, you know, <laughs> why not? I got, I got a, I got a buddy that's got a place in New York city, right down the street from the beacon. And he'll, he'll go out of town or he'll go to LA for a few weeks and it'll just leave me the key and I can go down there and hang out in New York. But I remember uh, Tom Petty did a five day residency at the beacon and the tickets were stupid. It was like probably 800 bucks to get yeah. in. Jesus Christ. Well, my son and I went over there and I gave the, the loading dock guy a bag of hamburgers and said, <laughs> I'm not trying to get in. I just want to sit right here on the loading dock and listen to the show with my son. And the guy goes, you got it, man. And so every night we went over there with a bag of burgers and some shakes and nice. we listened to a different Tom Petty set. It was, and you, and you couldn't see it obviously, but you were sitting right there. You could hear it. I was clear as day. That's what Always I did at the, the, the casino ballroom with, uh, um, chicken foot because chad smith was the drummer for chicken foot and i was such a huge chili peppers fan i remember standing in the parking lot the doors were open and i was like i can see chad smith's hands <laughs> all right i'm gonna get in trouble for this but i was at that show were you i'm a i'm a van halen guy and Damn that, chicken, that chicken foot show was the worst show i've ever seen in my life oh ever. no yeah, really that was one of the worst concerts i've ever seen oh no and, i mean it, it it was i was just four focused on chad smith four master musicians who clearly couldn't even hear each other see i i saw them at, i saw them at the middle east and they were fucking phenomenal really I mean, really they were so good man it was like what van halen used to be yeah, you know that kind of loose, but still fucking just a tidal wave of sound. I thought they were so fucking good. Oh, I was too focused yeah. on Chad Smith and why Joe Satriani won't take off his sunglasses in a dark room. 
Yeah. Oh. Well, he's an oh. alien. He's a rock star. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Total rock star. When, Take when I make my list of best shows and worst shows at the casino. What's your best? <laughs> the best was the best show. Well, the best one was the one that I got to do with Lenny and Kenny Rogerson. There you um, go. That the one was, that you were in. <laughs> that was the one that I was in was one of the most amazing shows. Um, I've seen some, I've seen a few Ramon shows that just blew me away. Cause it was just, here's an hour of, here's three hours of songs. We're going to do it in 45 minutes and then you right. guys go fuck yourself. It's just, <laughs> right. it was just awesome. Um, but I think, you know, those Ramon shows were probably the best shows. And I've seen the Boston's there a few times. Uh, they were amazing. And then my other second worst is I saw the Counting Crows there and they were god awful. Awful. And I, I remember going, <laughs> these guys were the top of the world at one point. And this right. is so bad right now. It's just Oops. like they didn't even want to be there. Um, it's amazing. Oh, I know. Joe Walsh, so man. A couple, couple of years ago, Joe Walsh completely brought the, brought the fastball. He was phenomenal. Yeah. This is year, years and years of working up at that radio station, WHUB. I lived there for summer after summer with all these shows because we hosted it, Greg in the Morning yeah. Buzz and all that, all that happy shit. Was that just, room has was a resume. Ins- <laughs> oh, my God. And, 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 and the vantage point. So I, you know, got to intro a ton of bands. And, and back to the story about the burgers, you know, A, I worked at a radio station, but B, always make, okay, this guard like the Red Bull. This one, like, didn't matter. Next thing you know, yeah, come on in every single fucking show. Yeah. And some of the, and I'm, I'm, I like all kinds of music, but I'll lean more to some of the heavier rock. Seven Dust used to also always blow my fucking yeah. mind in that building because it was a 25 seat venue and just fucking Seven Dust can throw down. Yeah. I used to go there so much with my parents. So that like before the time I was 12, the amount of times I saw Casey and the Sunshine Band in that room. A little different than Seven Dust. <laughs> little, wow. little different than Seven Dust. That explains a lot. Yeah, I mean the monkeys, uh, Mark Foner. I saw it. I saw no. Fools there a hundred times. <laughs> oh my god! When the they fool. had the all ages shows, my parents would let me go see the Fools and I screaming Psycho Chicken on my way. Out. I'm, I'm taking some more Love notes it. here, guys. Josh, Casey, and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> what the fuck? They're probably back out there. Everybody's touring right now. They're probably out there somewhere. Yeah. Oh god! Yeah. You see Alice Cooper, Josh. They didn't take you to see Cooper up there. Did no, Cooper that was that that was only in Lowell. I'd oh, go right. see Alice Cooper in Lowell, but no, that there was that was the uh, oldies one hundred three point three crowd that oh, right. my parents would always bring me to. But two of the best shows I ever saw up there was probably Bill Burr, not a music one. Bill Burr destroyed that, and it wasn't even sold out, which is crazy. It was like yeah. half half the crowd <laughs> was wow. sold out, and then um, uh, probably boxing. Oh, boxing was some always great fun. boxing up there. I was the ring announcer for <laughs> something called Super Fights up there a long time ago. And uh, that was a disaster. Train <laughs> wreck. <laughs> One of the they fight of the years up guy. there was uh, uh, Mickey Ward versus Gotti was, yeah. was there. Yeah, that's in the movie too, right? Yes. Yeah, that's it is. The, that, that's in the movie. Um, yeah, I've seen some amazing shows up there and I mean, I, I worked every one of those rackets as a kid. I worked at the arcades and I worked at the, you know. Those are awesome. Skee ball thing and all, all of that. When I was a kid, that was that was my whole summer was down on down on Hampton. Were you a bouncer for that lady with the uh, the the firing gun? And then if anyone ever took a picture, everything would go off and then you'd yeah, have to throw them. 
they come in with the with the snap thing and take the picture and the, and the big bird and go urk, urk. <laughs> yeah we put we put uh, napkins in the in the in the four in the token machines and get four tokens on oh god yeah if they had them turn the wrong I used to get my arms stuck up the soda machines trying to steal <laughs> sodas out of there. Like I knew the donut lady would, after eight o'clock, you could get anything you wanted in there for a dime. And I had, <laughs> I had every racket on that beach, man. Yeah. I thought about that, that huge arcade last year. Cause yeah, you're, you're sitting at home just thinking about all the fucking shit we couldn't do and no bullshit. I always, that arcade to me blew my mind because you'd go in there and the original Pac-Man, you know, the original Budweiser game where the beers would fall down and tap, slide across yeah. and fucking tap room. And, and just like, and I was one of those things last year. I was kind of like, fuck, like we can't go into like a place like that where I can't, I can't wait to go back up there and touch everything in that. Yeah, room. and I can't like see all Beatles the cover band across the street with right? a bunch of old guys. You know. <laughs> oh, it's and every mass hole from fucking Revere is up here in Hampton. Oh, they're all up there. And with the, with the, with the, the, with the cars, with the, with the tailpipes and the pop, pop, pop. <laughs> it, it, you stand on the North Beach, right? And <laughs> the Pease Air Force Base is right up, you know, it's yep. right up the street. So some of the most powerful military equipment in the world will fly overhead from time to time, right? So you'd be looking out at the beach and you'd be like, and you go, oh, shit, is that an F-16? And you look behind you and you go, oh, fuck, no, it's a Honda Civic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, with the tailpipe like this and you just go, I I get it, man. I like cars, but what's with the pop, pop, pops? And just go around. And it's always the Honda Civic. It's never a cool car. It's It's always a Civic. With a, with a big wing to keep the ass end down. You don't want that thing getting away from you when you go around the corner. <laughs> and they're all from Lemonster or Fitchburg. <laughs> right? No, they're not. You talked, about, uh, you talked about Pease Air Force Base. You, you play golf? I don't. I hate uh, golf. It, it, <laughs> it, all right. For you. Now, now, the, I, the I point I, is... I hate golf. I've, I've pretended for years that I care about golf. You I don't. I invited to the charity golf tournaments and about the eighth or ninth hole, I go... Fuck this! I'm hungry. Let's get out of here. <laughs> he only likes okay. golf when he's writing it into Loudermilk. So. Exactly. Right. And I, and Jackie I hate, Flynn, right? Jackie well, Flynn's the, a golf freak. You know, Jack's, so. And Jack's a really good golfer too. But yeah, that the um, the uh, Loudermilk going. I, I just don't get this. That that was me. That's Mike Shue. He hates golf. He likes the disc golf. The point I was making is peas golf course right by that airport you're talking about yeah right right after i was working up there right after 9 11 i'm playing on that course and you've never seen so many fucking adult size military things fucking whip right over your all those giant planes that are are the uh, the ones that carry the fuel and then all the f just like we're playing and it was just this constant i'm like Someone's going to fuck somebody up bad. Yeah, like yeah it was it's, fucking sc- it's scary being next to an air force base of that size, and that's not even an active one anymore. No, it is active, but it's yeah, you're right. It's not active not, uh, right. in that sense. But but when they come back from when stuff comes back from Europe, yep. it's the first stop. It's the closest stop. So they'll the runway is active, but like all the building, it was. It's not yeah, like it was back in the eighties. But they'll stop and refuel refuel there right. all the time. So um, I got a buddy that's a photographer. He's really into taking pictures of that stuff. And he catches amazing photos of some of the. You could just sit under that golf course. I swear to God, and just be like, "What the fuck?" You think normal seven forty sevens are big? You look yeah. at one of those refueling planes. I had a chance to go up in one of those with this radio thing we did, and sit in that the, the not the cockpit, but the ball underneath that actually someone has a joystick and it goes down. Yeah. And it and it feeds the F seventeens or whatever they're called like they're hummingbirds. Yeah. 
these yeah. fucking things are zipping around and you're looking out the window going, I'm so glad I'm on this fucking side. And then, yeah. and then you get to go down and you watch them just go, they pop right up. They refuel. The guy gives you the thumbs up, boom, gone to kill somebody. You know it's what? Uh, Isaiah, I was just reading. They have those, they're drones now. No shit. Yeah. yeah these giant tanker fucking the planes. Drones. Nobody's in them. Nobody's yeah. in them. That's fucked and they're up. just flying around up there and the planes fly up to him and the guys can somewhere in like Tampa or whatever. Jesus. He's, he's doing it by remote control. You know, that's, Why don't it just pe- flies up. They swipe their debit card and they hit regular. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. wow. <laughs> you know, that's no, I don't want to. <laughs> I said yes to the receipt. Why is uh, <laughs> a value card? You know, it's fucked up. They're drones. So there's not one human. At, those things are I know they're small just, cities they're just flying fucking tankers. They're just wow. filled with this giant things of gasoline, you know, it's definitely scary. I read some stories of after, after doing that mission with them and to talk to some of those people, that's one of the scariest things to operate because if you're over enemy territory, that's what they'll shoot for. Cause it's oh, a yeah. flying, it's a flying bomb. And yeah. that's the fuel for the planes that keep shooting down our cities or whatever. And that's fucked up. And it, it doesn't surprise me, but I never thought those would go to drones. Holy shit. Yeah. I, I spilled. I, I spilled a lot of gas on. in the air, so I'm, no wonder it's a drone because I'm spilling gas everywhere. I got <laughs> to land on uh, on the Peace Air Force Base strip in a 1940s biplane. Oh wow! Which oh was just, fun. A buddy of mine has an old biplane. It's like 1940 something, and it was a trainer. It was a Navy trainer, and it's an old, 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 old Navy plane, and. So somehow he's he fuels up over there, but he's got permission to come in every now and then. And he's like, "Oh, we're gonna go. We're, let's go land a piece. It's got. It's the coolest thing." Does the, the CF the is it the open biplane or is it yeah. enclosed? It's open. Oh, wow! And you wear the old timey hats, the yeah, goggles, and the goggles and, and stuff. So you, you, your face is flapping, and, yeah, right. and <laughs> then you come down and you land on that thing next to those F-16s. And then when you Jeez. bring it over, you bring it over to the fuel tank, and they and they the guys who work on the F-16s are like. This is the coolest plane here. Right, yeah, right. You know, the, old, the old plane, and I'm like, I want to go up in that thing, man. I know it's like. A Does he ever land on the? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, you. I, I was just saying, it's like pulling up a '77 Datsun to a Tesla. Right. You know, <laughs> pull out the crank windows and an AM radio in it and stuff. And they're like, this thing's the best. Yeah. yeah. Does he ever oh, land on that grass runway in Hampton? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's that's where he keeps it. Yeah, that's the guy. Oh, okay. Because I I've been in a biplane on that grass runway when I was maybe like a teenager or whatever, but I didn't know what the pilot was going to do. And he started doing all crazy shit when we went up and I was like, now I'm looking at my parents like, why did you let me go in that plane? I mean, it's a convertible airplane and he's going upside down. That's <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, there's I an do. airstrip right up here with those little planes and my wife won't let me go get my pilot's license because uh, this was her quote. I know you. Once you get your license, you won't go buy a nice plane. You'll go buy an old piece <laughs> of shit plane that you think you can fix. A new no. plane. She goes, you can yeah. try and fix old cars. You can play with your old trucks, but you are not buying an old plane. Stay on the ground. Especially <laughs> with a grass runway. I did a thing with the, uh, the Red Baron pizza uh, you know, stunt flyers in the yeah. 90s. I was working at a radio station in Richmond, Virginia. So they show up and the, they're beautiful. These they're like the world war one looking biplanes. Yeah. And so we got to, my partner and I got to go up with them and experience the whole, you know, acrobat flying thing. It's amazing how quiet 
in, when they start on the ground, it's like, it's like a lawnmower. And you're like, this isn't lifting us off anywhere. Uh, but when you get up in the air, it's like how slow and quiet it is. It's almost yeah. like you're on a balloon or something. And then, like so the guy, before we get on, the guy gives me a parachute and it's not like one of those, <laughs> you know, packed nylon parachute things, right? It's like this old flat, it looks like a, a small futon. You know? so I'm putting it on. And I, and I was like, what do I do with this? He goes, okay, well, uh, if there's trouble, uh, I'll just tell you to get out. And what you have to do is walk to the end of the wing and then just <laughs> let go. What? And then the, 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 uh, the pull thing is right here. So just pull that. After you let go, just pull that and the parachute will come out. And I'm like, okay, just stroll out to the end of the wing if the plane's spiraling out of control. Okay, yeah, I, I got that. He just had, he was like, and he said it like, it, it just, none of this matters. I'm just yeah. moving my lips. You know, you're, we're all going to die. He said it like you're not supposed to have a certain amount of hours jumping with someone attached to you before you can have your own free fall. He hey, just said was, it like it was a life preserver in a canoe. That's what I like about both of these is like the refueling plane, which is one of the most dangerous jobs in aviation. And then the biplane, which was built literally 80 years ago. Right. They go, should we have some training with these guys? No, fuck them. They're at radio. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> Nobody cares. Uh, that's right? that's it. Yeah. They just go, nah, is he, uh, is he certified? No, but he's, he's with the radio station. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's got hands, so he can pull the lever, right? Yeah, and he's like, and he's and he's so he did this thing where it was like I don't know if he did with with you, Josh, but they go straight up in the air and then they shut the engine off. Yes, oh, that's what he and did to me, and I was like, this can't be okay. And twirl out of control, and I'm just thinking the whole time, okay, here's the lever. How am I going to walk out on the wing with the plane going like this? That's all I'm thinking the whole time. And then he with just just like a waist seatbelt, not not Jesus like Christ. a, a oh, yeah, just a, like right. <laughs> And like a '68 Camaro seatbelt, you know? yes. <laughs> and it's a little loose, right? Yeah, it is. It was just like here, put this on. I'm supposed to. T- I'm. You're supposed to put this on. He was just like, you know, whatever. It's if we if we're going down, we're gonna die anyway. So yeah. might as well. If, I, if was, I'm gonna die, you're gonna die. So I don't give a right. shit. I'm like, you're gonna get out. And I'm not. <laughs> we're going down hard, kid. Those safety measures were made when America was America. Yeah. That's right. Yes, when men were men. Hi, I'm Chris, owner of Garage Doors Plus. We specialize in custom garage doors, sales service, and installation. So whatever you may be looking for, we can help. Financing is available, so if it's time to give your garage and home a lift, call us at Garage Doors Plus, 617-458-1148. You can also find us at gdplus.com. That's gdplus.com. Garage Doors Plus, we open doors when you can't. Right. What do we need to do, Jimmy? What do we need to do to make sure Loudermilk gets another fucking season? Good question. I would, I would, uh, I would, I would tweet out to Sony TV and to Sony Amazon TV. and to Amazon and say, "Man, I love Loudermilk." But any yeah. any kind of any kind of tweet makes uh, plenty of noise. They like. I've that. been I've been doing that while watching it. I've been tweeting like the Jackie Flynn thing, explaining. Oh. The- you know, and, and uh, you know, just my praise of Brian Regan and stuff. And I tag Amazon and, and uh, so just gotta, yeah, just gotta keep the, the buzz going out there. I always try to recommend it when I can. You said you're in the world of, of obviously you're in the know with what's going on. When, how does that, who's going to know first and when, I mean, the season's out, so it's not, they know who's watching it, who's seen yeah, it, right? I, 
I don't know how that, I really don't know how that works. That, I mean, in my world, that happens when, when I get a call from uh, the producers saying, Hey, we're going to do another season. Um, hopefully that happens. You know, the last couple times it's happened after the, the COVID thing sort of messed up. One of the up things, everything. Yeah. But one of the other things that people don't realize happened is were all these movie and television projects that were set to be made. Right. So they were all set to go and then they sure. didn't get, they didn't get made because of COVID. So they're, they got a stack of projects that are already have a sort of a green light, but they just haven't gone to make them yet. And then there was right. a bunch of stuff that was supposed to be released in the theaters that they didn't put out because they wanted to wait. Right. So now that stuff's getting put out now. So it, it's kind of like the concert thing right now. There's the first batch of concerts right now were sold two, two years ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And they just kept pushing those shows going three months out, three months out. Now they're putting those up. So none of the new shows have gone up yet. Most of those are the shows that people already had tickets on. And it's the same thing with television. I don't know that a lot of new TV stuff will be, will be made until they put this other stuff out. But I really don't know, you know, who makes that decision with, with, with sitcom television. They make most of those decisions in May for what goes on in the fall for okay. um, network TV. But as far as uh, streaming stuff, it could go anytime. But I would just say, if you like it, tweet out there and tell people. And, you know, if you're listening right now and you haven't seen it, go watch it. Louder milk. Perfect mix of great writing and great acting. And oh. just, you know, and not overdoing it. Out loud laughing, though. Like, that's, yeah. you know, like, like it, it, it's just, there's nothing like, and I'm trying to find something. Believe me, if I could fucking say it was like something, it's the first episode I watched, I thought, there's Ron. Do, uh, playing Sam, doing that character from Office Space times ten. Yeah. Like the second half of the movie when he goes from you know when he's hip, he's like I don't give a fuck attitude. This is I don't give a fuck times fifty. Yeah. You know that, that's and, the beauty of the whole the whole show. Uh, nobody gives a fuck. That's nobody right. gives a fuck at all. But but then again, as we talked about, it kind of works in the emotional and the real because each of them have some serious dark fucking shit as addicts that they have to deal with. But I can't think of anything that it's like. It's like when you mentioned. Everybody loves Raymond. There fucking aren't shows like that anymore. The closest thing to that recently was Modern Family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, but there's just not anything that's like the studio audience, the thing, because no disrespect to network TV, but it's fucking garbage. It's, it's daytime and nighttime soap operas. Everybody's pretty. We're all wearing Gucci. You know, the one that LL Cool J, I love LL Cool J as an artist. That fucking show he's in is dog shit. <laughs> because every fucking line that he does with Robin from Batman is like, ready, go, ready, go. Ready, but not, go. not, not even the show, not being like anything else. It's also like the performances, like we were saying, like <sighs> Brian Regan. And then like, even Will Sasso has like some emotional moments and like, he's Sasso's on season two. Sasso's unbelievable. Oh, he is. So, and... He's so good. And that guy can make the smallest thing. So funny. Once I get his rhythm in my head and I'm writing jokes, I, I just know how. But like when he's like laughing, picking the phone up and so stuff, good. and just like yeah, the little details. Ex-wife marrying the ex-wife was yeah, like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and the way that and the way that was misdirected all year too, like you didn't see it until right until literally you didn't see it till literally he opened the door. Yeah, and, that was right, and, and that's you know that's just some great writing. Those guys. There was one line of his in that in that uh pool episode we'll call it a lizzie pool episode where yeah. once he well, i'm sorry once sam was saying to his character you know told him what happened he's like well let, let's find her on facebook 
and he spins it around. And within one second, oh shit, this might be a memorial. Oh no, she's fine. She's alive. It was yeah. like one second of like, she's alive. She's fine. She's down. Oh fuck, is this a memorial? Nope, she's alive. There was a post two days ago. I was like, great fuck, dude, he's such great acting. Any other actor, whack, just, and you're gone. But any other actor would just go so would just draw that out to try and slam that joke. And the brilliance of 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 Will is is, and this comes back to Lenny and Gavin, those guys, how you can just throw three jokes away if you don't catch him you know that's on you and i don't think people realize like how good he really is. i got to see him work i was on the set of a sitcom he was on um called uh shit my dad says that he did sure. with uh okay. william shatner and uh nicole sullivan from mad tv i forget who else was on the show yeah, but like that. to see him do like the original take of something and then they would throw him lines and i'd be like the way he did it was funny and then he would do the line that they threw him and it would be even funnier. Like <laughs> I, I remember them there being one line in this scene on that sitcom about I it was something about chocolate. And they kept throwing him this line about like, oh, is the chocolate in the drawer? And I was like, that's not funny. Why would you give him <laughs> that yeah. line? But the way he would like he would be like rehearsing it and I could see him saying it over and over. And then once he the cameras were on and he'd hit it, I'd be like, Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah. He's watching awesome. A, watching a taping of a live sitcom with a live studio audience is oh. it's an amazing experience. It, it really is. I mean, that was of everything that I've done from you know when I first started doing stand up till yesterday. That those fifteen episodes of that sitcom and that Friday tape night with three hundred new kids on the block fans just laughing at <laughs> anything we say. It was just incredible, and there's. I've I've had laughs in theaters and I've had people laugh at me in bars and whatever. There's no laugh better than the one that comes when you know there's three cameras on you and yeah. it, it's going to be out on CBS next week and you just nailed this punchline that some brilliant writer wrote. And is it exhausting though? Because job. that no. that taping that I I went to for that I was there for one episode of that show and it was it was. Yeah, it was, it was an all day. I got there in the morning. I left and the sun was down. So yeah. it was like, <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's a long day, but it's not exhausting at all because you're just so high from the whole thing. You you're know, exhausted just, afterwards. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We used to, we, we used to go out afterwards and eat, just eat a big stupid meal at a, you know, we'd go out, get breakfast and then. Where'd you guys uh, film? I would sleep halfway through Saturday. We filmed on, on the Sony TV lot um, in oh, Culver okay. City on stage 28 where they did married with children and king of queens oh wow. shit yeah i had uh bud awesome bundy's, shows at bud bundy's dressing room <laughs> yeah i think they they cool. filmed that uh shit my dad said's thing on the same sound stages like warner brothers is crazy the history there they're yeah. like yeah blazing saddles was filmed here friends was filmed in this stage oh, and <laughs> oh yeah you'd see everybody i mean when you're on the campus you would see, I mean, there's 28 other shows or 30 other stages going on. And we were right next to Jeopardy and we, we Shark Tank was next door. We used to sneak in and watch wow. them tape in the Shark Tank. We would see Cuban all the time walking. I mean, you'd, you'd see, you'd see famous people all the time, but for, right. you know, for four or five weeks, I had my picture on this giant billboard <laughs> on the side of the parking garage. <laughs> And you know, you drive in and security guard go, you got a pass? And they go, I don't need a pass, my man. That's my head right is right there. there. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best gig ever, man. And uh, 
you know, maybe I get to do it again. Maybe I don't, but I got to do it. So uh, yeah. I, uh, it was the best. That's You're running I mean. in the right crowd. And, that's for sure. Yeah. And some of the people, I mean, all of them, the cast members became, and this doesn't happen usually, but they all became really, really good friends. In fact, uh, the guy who played um, uh, my dad, Jack McGee, uh, who's, I love Jack. Uh, you know, Jack was on Rescue Me, and I mean, he Jack McGee's just the best. But next week, he's sleeping in that room right behind me. He's coming up here to hang. Oh, really? Nice. That's awesome. Two days, and like we've become really tight. And same with uh, Joey Mack and Tyler Ritter and Kellen, and and so it, it was just an awesome experience. The first time I met Jack he McGee, he refereed a street hockey game I played in at uh, City Hall Plaza with uh, Dennis Leary. Big hockey <laughs> guy. <laughs> Jack's a huge hockey fan. He's a great fact, ref. Uh, he's a big <laughs> Rangers guy, and uh, we we would go to the games all the time out in LA, which was just a just a weird thing, just watching hockey in LA. Um, I mean, there was a there was a there was a point when they were really good, but we went to one of those outdoor games that they had at yeah. Dodger Stadium. Oh, that's wow. weird. I don't play it with was, your head. It was so bizarre because it was like seventy five degrees. <laughs> These guys are out playing on ice, and in between, not just one period, in between every period. There was a Kiss concert. It was like <laughs> some sort of weird LA carnival around a hockey game, and it was just absolutely insane. Wow. But Jack Jack loves hockey. He's a, he'll call me all the time during the, during the playoffs when the Bruins were in. He would call me, "Hey, your boys aren't doing so." You know, he, he loved giving me a hard time. Uh, but huge hockey guy. Nice. That's awesome. So, where, where do you, do you have any shows coming up? Yeah, in about. Five hours, I'll be down at the Grog in Newburyport. Got to get a quick yes! nap in. Yes! Go get those tickets. Got to get a quick nap in. No, we're sold out tonight. Um, but I Not if one of us shows up. You'll remember. You guys can get in. Oh, yeah, your radio guys. They were on the airplanes. <laughs> right, we survived. <laughs> I can fly a plane. Yeah, I know. But down the Grog tonight, and then I got a bunch of sh- – it's just kind of getting back in, but I got a bunch but- of shows um, – I got two of those Boston comedy all-star shows called the Boston comedy blowout. Got one down on at the Cape Cod uh, melody tent. Nice. Uh, And then the other one is at the Cohasset. um, What is that one called? Music circus. Yes. Yeah. That's the music circus. Yeah. yeah, Another one of those big tents, but um, those, I got those, those two big shows this summer. Those are in, those are in August. Um, And I got a bunch of theaters around new England and then it really, ramps back up in the fall so are you at laugh boston did i see that i'm at laugh boston the night after the new kids so this is my association with the new kids on the block (laughs) because of second uh, mention second mention oh i'm a blockhead because of uh joey and i and because of the show all these new kids on the block fans became fans of the mccarthy's and then they would come see me do stand-up if i was in whatever city so um the new kids are playing Fenway on the Friday night. And so the Saturday night I'm playing Laugh Boston because there's going to be. And the new kids on the block will be there? I, totally, I don't believe yeah. any of the actual Maybe. new kids will be there, but all of the fans hopefully will. Be <laughs> well, because that, that, the, the one kid's got to go film his HGTV show, but the rest of them might be free, right? They all got shows. He's got that show. Joey's son <laughs> has a show now. So Joey's really? son is on a sitcom and he's. Really? Yeah, he, and he's awesome on it. He's really good. Um, but, you know, obviously, New Kids on a Block, not my musical thing. But I get to meet all of them because of the show. And uh, really great guys. And I get it. They have really passionate fans. 
Um, and they couldn't have been cooler to me. So I'm. A, and it I'm helps a, your ticket sales. So I'm you a know, big fan of the blockheads, man. They're, they've right. all been. They've all been good to me. Well, we're talking about the studio audience at the sitcom thing. Most sitcom audiences are ticket giveaways and tourists and people that want to go see a TV show. But with our show, because Joey was on the show, the blockheads know how to get tickets, and so they would get all the tickets. So the audience was just wow. all new kids fans. Oh my so God. we had this wow. crazy audience that just people that had been in the sitcom business for 30 years would come in and go, how'd you get this audience so hot? And it's like, well, they're all here to see Joe Max. <laughs> Joe that kid. <laughs> you're, the, you're the only sitcom with no warm-up comedian. We had a warm-up what? comedian, but Joey would every now and then just take the mic away from the guy and go, I got to get this going. And he'd just take the mic <laughs> and start. He had me do that stupid dance that they do. And he goes... Because I've seen that dance done a million times. I've never seen it worse than Jimmy Dunn. He has no oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take that as batch, man. I, I'm okay with that. So what? That's Do you awesome. want a lobster or not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, so they go to, uh, where, where can people go to see, like, you know, where you're playing and stuff like that? Just go, you can go to jimmydunn.com. My dates are there. And uh, that bio that says I'm really funny. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on. It's, it's, it's Jimmy Dunn with two ends.com. Go to actor. It clearly states, and I'll wrap with this. Jimmy Dunn is a fucking, no, sorry. Jimmy Dunn is a very funny comic actor. There you, there you go. go. I read it on the internet. It's I read it on his gotta fucking website. Right. <laughs> gotta be true. It's on the web. All right, Jimmy. Thanks a lot. Man. Thank right. you, man. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. I had a lot of fun. Good to see you guys. Take care, man. Go we'll see you at the casino ballroom. You got it.